Hello, America. Today was kind of a whirlwind kind of uh, program that you don't want to miss. We we tried to cover the, uh, the, the the wonderful Democratic convention. And wasn't it wonderful, Stu? Loved it. Yeah. Uh, Helen has been watching it and then our crew. Uh, Helen is a Democrat from New York. Yeah. Uh, it, it was her night, at least on, yeah. yes, last night. Right. Tomorrow, it's uh, Frederick. Frederick? Mm-hmm. Where is he from? Do we know? He's from uh, Montana. Okay. Uh, that's how many people are watching this thing. And then we're watching it as well, so you don't have to. We have all the update that's worth updating. We also have the truth on the the stolen election of 2020. Are the Democrats setting this up to be a contested election? You bet. We talked to Judicial Watch, which will, your hair will fall out. It is so frightening. Also, the guy who is trying to monitor Google and Facebook and YouTube and prove that they are manipulating average voters. And we also talk about uh, all kinds of fun stuff about, you know, the world coming to an end. All that and more on today's podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the program, James. How are you? Good, Glenn. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. A long time we haven't uh, we haven't talked to each other. It's nice to have you on. Yes. Uh, so, go briefly over your your thesis here that New York City is never coming back. Well, there's a lot of you know. There's only so far you can pull back a slingshot before it breaks. And right now we have at least 30 to 50 percent of the restaurants and storefronts in New York City are out of business permanently. And there's not it's not like there's tenants dying to come back in. These are gone, which means commercial real estate is going to get affected. Also, you have all of these companies now going remote forever. Citigroup, J.P. Morgan, Google, Twitter, all these companies. That means all the office space empty. They're going to need to rent less office space. Again, commercial real estate and the entire economic ecosystem around those things are going to zero. Meanwhile, New York City, the deficits are rising. People are fleeing. There's more apartment vacancies than ever. So the tax base is going down both from businesses and residents fleeing. So how are you going to make the revenues to make up for the deficits and all the bankruptcies and one out of four evictions are going to happen? So I think I don't know what you do, even if, you know, COVID come, is, is fine and people start coming back. There's just going to be too many bankruptcies. There's going to be nobody paying for all the deficits that New York City is racking up now. Mm. What what happened? And you can't it's not like you can cut back on those things or the city will just decay. I mean, that is a very expensive city just to keep running. And if you don't have right. those there's, you don't have those buildings, the, what happens to them? I mean, New York City offices are technically open right now, but they're all empty. Like, they're about 90% empty because companies are going remote. And, you know, here's the difference between other periods is now people have the bandwidth to go remote. We never had the bandwidth to have remote office meetings before. So there's no big rush now for employees to come back. In fact, companies are making much more money being more productive with employees not at the office. Again, they can rent less office space. They don't have to pay those city taxes, those property taxes. So I don't know how New York City is going to raise the money to pay for the services that they normally do. 
And again, this is not like a, a temporary situation. Oh, when, when the pandemic's over, everyone comes back to work. No, everybody's already gone. They've already left. And, and that's not a bad thing for the country, by the way. It means you could have opportunity now everywhere, financial opportunities being dispersed all through the country. You don't have to just be in Manhattan or L.A. or San Francisco. You could be in St. Louis or Nashville or Miami or Dallas. You could be anywhere now and have opportunity. It's not just, hey, come to Manhattan. Everything's here. Nothing's there anymore. Business is not there. You know, stores are not there. No one's waking up and saying, I need to start a pizza restaurant in New York City today because I might go out of business the next day. Yeah, it's 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 really sad. I mean, I love New York. If you have ever lived there, you have a love hate relationship with it. Um, there's lots of things about it that you might hate, but it balances out to where the the access to things is so off the charts and not like any other city that you put up with it. But now that is that's that's all gone. Uh, one the one nice thing about it is people are starting to look at the cities that they want to live in. They can live in. And as you said, we'll we now will have, you know, I miss the America where you go to towns and they're all different. You know, there was a while where they were all Gap and all, you know, uh, you know, and Taylor's and every town was the same. This this provides an opportunity for one town to be high tech, one town maybe to be uh, focused on on, you know, something else where those people that think alike just kind of want to gather that they don't have to, but they just kind of want to gather there. So you'd have these cities that would have real different personalities. Right. Like over 400,000 New Yorkers have left since March and many more are going to leave when eviction moratoriums are off. I mean, one out of four. Uh, New Yorkers are, are up for eviction. And again, uh, you know, 30% of the restaurants and stores out of business, all mm. the major companies going remote, people are dispersing to the cities they always wanted to live in. Doesn't mean opportunity is going away. It just means finally opportunity is going to be spread out throughout the entire United States. So the frontier now is not going to be in Manhattan or L.A. It's going to be wherever you are. So, James, you are uh, you're an angel investor. You're you're really up to speed on a lot of things. I've been talking about the tech disruption that was going to come. Um, and it and I kept saying it's going to come between 2020 and 2030 where uh, technology just changes enough stuff. There would be enough disruption of 20 to 30 percent unemployment. We won't live the same way. We won't work the same way. Jobs will be taken. We're going to have to retrain. I think covid actually pushed that in faster. I think we're seeing the tech yes. disruption now. Well, look at it. I mean, COVID has been the great accelerator. Look at, you know, Zoom, for instance. Zoom added 400 million new users, 400 million who now realize, oh, I, the, I could see people on video now for the first time ever. I could have remote meetings. I could be productive. And then you have AI and automation. A year ago, everyone was afraid of it. But now every store is going to be, you know, cashless checkouts. And, you know, there's going to be much more automation. There's going to be much more robotics. So what happens to the people who had those jobs? Well, this has been an excuse to say, hey, we don't need anybody anymore. We're going to go cashless and people are going to have to figure out what to do. The infrastructure is not there for people to figure it out. But you're going to have to be much more. People are going to have to be up on these skills in one way or the other. And like I said, opportunity is going to be spread out throughout the entire country, not just 
in New York City where they sort of hoarded opportunity for a long period. So what, James, what happens to a city like New York? And it's going to be all these cities. I mean, why live in a dense city where crime, especially with the way things are going now, where crime is bad, decay is bad, taxes would be high. What happens to these cities? It's, it's going to be hard. I mean, look, I'm a New Yorker. I even own a storefront in New York. And people aren't going to want to pay $38 for avocado toast anymore <laughs> if they could move to Phoenix, Arizona and pay a buck 50 for an egg sandwich like and still make new york salaries and still work remotely for companies that are based wherever so what happens to a city like new york city services start to go down crime goes up uh, uh there's going to be less uh, ability to afford health care there's going to be again how are they going to pay deficits they're going to have to raise taxes to the few people who stay Remember, New York City, only 1%, the top 1% of New York City pays over 40% of the taxes mm-hmm. in New York City. What happens when you don't even have that revenue? How are you going to provide any, what happens to the transit system? What happens to all the public services that New York City offers, the universities, the, the subways, and so on? It starts to go down. The police starts to go down. And what happens to the universities themselves? I mean, they're not, they're yeah. not back. The university is right there. I mean, right now, New York City is at all time vacancies. Well, what happens when 600,000 students in New York City, college students are told, oh, we're going to do a remote for for six months or a year. They're not going to rent apartments, hence more vacancies, hence more bankruptcies, hence more buildings go into litigation, hence more, you know, again, worse services uh, to neighborhoods and crime goes up. And who knows? I mean, I don't. It's, it, it's hard to predict when you have a city that's just combusting in ways that hasn't happened before. And, and people say, oh, no, people want to come back. No, people have already left. The employees who are forced to be remote, they've said, oh, well, I can choose anywhere in the United States. You know, New, United States is beautiful. New York City is not the only city. People have spread out already. It's not, it's not my opinion. Like, this is already fact that 400,000 residents have, have left since March. I will tell you that, you know, I bought the Paramount movie lot here in Dallas. Um, So I've had these gigantic movie studios. Uh, And uh, I went up to my ranch in the mountains for three months uh, and did everything remote from my house and then from the ranch. And every day I got up and I thought, why am I why am I why am I going back? Why, why am I going back? And for me, the technology is not quite uh, robust enough to be able to do it. Um, but for the average person, it absolutely is. And I know they're all saying the right. same thing. And, and Glenn, you're running a media company, so you need video and audio quality Correct. to be beyond perfect. Correct. So the average person who just wants to do remote meetings and, and still be at home without the commute, without dealing with all their cubicle neighbors, whatever – they're happy. And yes, some of them like to go back to work and, and, and people are going to miss uh, the, the, the social conveniences of work. They'll find it elsewhere, but they'll miss it at work. But it's not it's not going to be their decision. Companies themselves are cutting costs by not having people go back to work using COVID as an excuse. Oh, we have to be safe now for COVID. But they're going to eliminate six out of seven floors that they rented in a major office building Correct. in New York, which means commercial real estate goes bankrupt, which means, you know, litigation means potential financial collapse, 
means less tax revenues for New York City and, again, lower services to pay for education, health care, police, social services. It's, and, again, as a New Yorker, it's scary. But as a U.S. citizen, you say, well, okay, the economy is not up or down. It's just tilted. Things are going to spread out throughout the U.S., opportunity is going to spread out and you don't have if you've traveled to any other city other than new york there's beautiful spots all over over. the united states i wish the best for new york i'm a new yorker my kids are new yorkers i live there all my life but you have to face reality there's problems that can't go away it's or they're already fact so james uh, one last question Uh, people still i think americans are slowly coming to the realization it's not going to be the same anymore. We're not, we're not, we're not going back there. There's, it's just not happening. Um, you know, trying to build in some parts of the country, you just can't get the supplies. Um, it's very different than even the great depression. Um, there are things that you just can't get. Uh, and I think people haven't really felt it all yet. When do you think we're all going to come to the conclusion? Oh, wow. Uh, America and the world is just never going to be like it was. It's such a great question, Glenn, because a few months ago, people were asking, when are things going to go back to 2019? And then a few weeks after that, they were saying, well, when is there going to be a new normal? And now I think it's starting to, people are starting to realize there is no new normal. It's a, it's a great reinvention is what's happening. Everything is not quite starting from scratch, but like you say, automation is on the rise. So that's going to affect people's lives. Uh, Zoom adding 400 million people, essentially, you know, to United States, uh, Zoom added that number of users. That's going to affect the way we we work and interface with each other and and interact and so on. So I think people who are ahead of the curve here are going to start looking for the skills they need, whether those are, you know, marketing skills, sales skills, technical sales skills, you know, setting up e-commerce sites, you know, whatever it is. Are you, but go ahead. Well, I think, I think we're going to start to realize over the next year that there is no, things are going to get worse in the major cities and you're going to see more and more of an exodus from the first tier cities to the second tier cities. And people are going to start to realize more and more every month that, okay, Maybe a lot of people are in denial, but I'm going to start making changes in my life. And gradually, everyone will come to that realization. And, and I don't say this with glee. I wish I know, things I know. were the same, but this happened. So, um, James, I, I don't know if you've been following what the uh, Economic Forum has been doing with the Great Reset. They've been working on it for a while before COVID. And I would love yeah. to I'd love to check back with you uh, after you've kind of looked into that. I think we'll probably disagree on you know, uh, maybe uh, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing and what it means, but it it needs to be discussed out in the open because the world is changing. Um, And I think the average person needs to be involved in what that means for our future. So I'd love to have you back. We've spent too much time outsourcing all of our political decisions to leaders who haven't frankly accomplished anything for the past 50 years. So, Yes, would love to come back and talk about it. I'm, I'm well aware. Okay, great. Um, James, thank you so much. Um, and I'm, Thanks, I, I sent your article around, and I sent it around with, this is the saddest article you will read in a long time. And everybody emails me back and goes, it's, I can't disagree with it. And that's what makes it so sad. Thank you very much, James.
the best of the Glenn Beck Program. COVID has made the world up for grabs. It's going to be completely redesigned. It's called the Great Reset. Uh, and who's going to be designing it? Certainly, if you are somebody that likes to hold all of the power, you're not going to give that to Donald Trump. He stands in the way of all of that. Uh, the Constitution stands in the way of that. Our history stands in the way of that. That's why everything is being challenged right now. But you also have to uh, ensure a win. So you want to, at least if you can't pull it off, you at least have to, con- uh, to uh, convince the American people that you can't have any confidence in the vote. And that is the campaign that the Democrats are on right now. The group that is really the one that is watching over our uh, right to vote over this uh, pandemic is Judicial Watch. The president is Tom Fitton, and he's with us now. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hey, Glenn. Good to be with you again. Thank you. So let's just go through some of the things that, um, you know, that they are they are saying now uh, about uh, our elections and that we really need to jump on the vote through the mail. That seems insane, but they're saying that there's never any problem with the mail-in vote. Can you give me the facts on this? Well, if there are going to be problems with voter fraud, it's going to happen through mail-in and absentee ballots. Everyone agreed prior to it becoming a partisan issue just now is that that's where you have the opportunity for fraud. It's you're voting away from the oversight of government officials and party activists who go in and monitor the polls. Uh, but on top of that, we've got a radical ramping up of people voting by mail, or at least there's this push. I think there'll be 92, 93 million ballots and ballot applications that will be mailed without anyone asking for them. 50, I think it's 51 million ballots alone will be mailed without anyone asking for them. And that's a number that is, is far and above by multiples of any prior move. I mean, you've had a few states here and there who have vote by mail programs that were set up after years and years and frankly still aren't trustworthy. This is a radical escalation of uh, this vote by mail. And in 2016, Glenn, 319,000 absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, were thrown out. Imagine what the numbers are going to be now. So you've got the vote by mail, you've got voter fraud opportunities, the ballot harvesting fraud opportunities. But I, I think there's this emerging issue that I think we all need to be concerned about. If, and frankly, the left should be too. Votes being thrown out by the millions because they don't get there on time, because they can't be counted, and the system breaks. And if that happens and, this, and, and, and states are challenged, all of that goes to the House and the Senate ultimately. And in essence, Nancy Pelosi decides, practically speaking, who could be the next president. So if you, if you look at the mail fraud that we have had uh, in, the, in the past— the the mail fraud happens when let me give you a few examples. Uh, West Virginia postal worker last week indicted for manipulating eight voters absentee ballots. 
2019, Oakland County uh, clerk outside Detroit charged with illegally altering 193 absentee ballots. Minneapolis, a man was charged with helping 13 others falsify absentee ballots ahead of the 2018 election. Dallas County, Texas, man convicted after seven in uh, 700 mail-in ballots were witnessed and signed by a fictitious person. Uh, North Carolina's ninth congressional district race scheme was uh, to steal 1,200 absentee ballots and fill them out in a race that was decided by only 900 votes. So when the Democrats and and uh, Michelle Obama said, you got to go out and vote like your life depends on it, because sometimes uh, in 2016, they were voted by an average, uh, you know, they lost by an average of two votes. These numbers may seem small, but in the right districts, it changes everything. Well, that's exactly right. You've got the presidential race at issue, and then you have these lower, um, these races down the ballot, you know, including in the House. Uh, that can be overturned through fraud. You know, and the other reason we want a process in place that frowns upon fraud and secures the vote is so that people feel comfortable voting. That's one of the reasons we have voter ID. That's what the courts have said. You know, it's not a, we don't have to prove fraud. The purpose of voter ID is to ensure people and reassure people that the elections count and matter. And uh, right now, it's chaos. I, I tell you, uh, Glenn, there's been nothing like it in American history where you have nearly 100 million ballots and ballot applications being thrown out, flooding the mails. Ten percent uh, right now, 10 percent of first class mail is late. When you look at the percentages of ballots that are returned, you're talking potentially millions of ballots that won't get to the place they're supposed to be. So this is a uh, an opportunity for fraud that we've never seen before. And I said, as I said, as importantly, you can't be sure your vote will count unless you vote in person. That's the best way to ensure your vote is, will be counted. And I'm not guaranteeing your vote won't be negated because someone got your mail ballot and votes in your name and there's a dispute there. But, you know, you can't rely on the system because I think it's going to break or I fear it's going to break. And uh, when you're talking the percentages of ballots that get thrown out, the percentages, in my view, are too high for me to risk my vote to vote by mail. I mean, if it were four years ago, I'd say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say don't vote by mail. You're, you're likely to lose your vote. I, I wouldn't advise anyone to vote by mail these days. So, Tom, how I was listening to the news today. They are in riots in Belarus um, because Russia was interfering in the election. Um, and the opposition is saying to the world, please don't recognize this administration. And I think in Belarus, they probably are right. Um, But I see that kind of scenario playing out no matter who wins this time. This is a constitutional crisis on the horizon that we've never faced. The left is already gaming it out, Glenn. They're already planning it. There's a, right. Go and look at this document created by the Transition Integrity Project. And who's, and who's the war gamer for them and for Joe Biden when they were doing a little a war game? John Podesta. So someone who's a leading oh white gosh. on the establishment. And they're talking about having states threaten to secede from the union unless they get their electoral, count, uh, electoral votes counted, uh, I guess, despite allegations of fraud. So they're prepared for a revolution. I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing it already. There revolution, there's a revolution in Portland. You've got the violent communist insurrection in many cities as it is. 
And believe me, they're preparing to apply it to the presidential election. You can read about it in the New York Times. What do you say to the people who say, well, then why isn't the president uh, stopping what's going on at the post office? Well, the trains left the station. Uh, the, the, the states have decided they're going to mail these ballots, those 51, 52 million ballots going out. That's going to happen. The post office is going to do what it can do with the volume. Uh, but, you know, on a good day, you have 5 to 10% of the material not get to where it's supposed to be or get there late. So to me, that's an unacceptable risk for voting by mail. And that's what we need to be talking about. If I were the president, and frankly, honest Democrats are now beginning to talk about because they're nervous. They recognize these issues. You should be voting in person. Michelle Obama highlighted that in her talk the other day. You know, what's really been interesting is to see people like Stacey Abrams, who for months, the the far left um, candidate from Georgia who lost mm-hmm. or got the governorship there. She was on TV again yesterday for the DNC telling people they shouldn't have to decide between their vote and their lives. So they're scaring the bejesus out of people from voting in person. That's suppressing the vote, Glenn. Mm-hmm. That's suppressing the vote. And I think some Democrats are thinking, what are we doing here? We're going to tell people to vote by the mail. No one really trusts the mail. Maybe we need to go back to the basics here and start getting, you know, getting people to the polls in person. Uh, even Dr. Fauci says you can vote in person. So this, the, the coronavirus isn't a serious excuse anymore. What? is who who is watching all of this tom that is uh trustworthy to you know at least the majority of people um that that we can we can look to that is is monitoring all of this is there anybody i know that's what you are doing but the right trusts you left doesn't trust you so who do we turn to well, we you know glenn you you and i and groups like us we can do fifty thousand views you know, a 50,000 uh, foot view, you know, but at the polling places, that's where the parties have to provide the oversight. And when it comes to oversight, the left is far and beyond the Republicans. They've got, they do, they're, orga- you know, they're organizers. This is what they do. And so you'll have leftist poll workers who are lawyers and sophisticated and know how to challenge and on the right, you'll have volunteers, fairly trained, young, or not sophisticated in terms of areas of law, and um, they'll be outmatched. And then on top of that, you've got the political side, because we think it's going to be decided by lawsuits and these fights at the lower levels. No, it's going to be decided in Congress, ultimately. That's the way our constitutional system works. And uh, that they have already gained that out. And I can tell you the Republicans and, and conservatives are we don't know much about how that would work in Congress. What do you mean they've What do you mean they've already that? gamed that out? Well, you're talking about and this transition integrity project where John Podesta games out the election being resolved by the House and the Senate, and if there's no decision by a date certain in January, I think it's January sixth or a little bit later. Uh, you know who becomes president in an acting capacity? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I think you'd probably just drop the phone uh, after uh, speaking uh, 
words that would give most people a heart attack. Yeah. Um, Tom. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, uh, that's the way it's going to work. And, you know, what's interesting is each mem- each delegation of the House has a vote. It's not by person. It's not by vote. It's not by House member. And currently, Republicans have a majority of the delegations in the House. So that's why Democrats and the left are gaming it out. And, you know, if, if it comes down to a kind of an honest political fight, that's one thing. But we already went through a coup. Do you think it's going to stop? Of course not. Well, it's been cheery talking to you, Tom. <laughs> Thank you well, for... Just, uh, we got to know what the problem is. Well, I know. We can address it. It's, it's, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just trying to highlight the real issue so we can't... So we're not surprised. How can people help? Well, individually, they should figure out how they can become poll workers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Figure out what the rules are in your state. Contact your local party and, and volunteer. Uh, encourage your member. Encourage your 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 circles to vote in person. Who's watching really over the post person. office? <laughs> the post office, to me, it's kind of like a meta issue. It's like, are they? Can you trust the post office to get the ballots to the yeah. your location on time? No, don't use it. Okay. And frankly, you know, it's not too late to pull back, and you can call your elected officials at the state level. Don't mail those ballot applications unless someone asks for them. Do a traditional absentee ballot program where someone proactively has to ask for a ballot. Don't drop ballots into the mail unless they're requested. It's not too late to pull back. We've got three or four weeks, but uh, the train, you know, the train's about to leave. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. NASA is actively monitoring a strange anomaly in Earth's magnetic field, a giant region of lower magnetic intensity in the skies above the planet. This is about the polar shift. Thought I'd throw that in because last week, and we just missed the closest, uh, the, the closest asteroid uh, in history. Unbelievably close. Right? You know, they consider a close call four million miles. Right. Four million miles. Right, right. This was the same distance as it is from Dallas to Boston. It was 1,800 miles. It doesn't give yeah. me... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bad one. Car-sized asteroid. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really give me a lot of confidence that NASA is up on this one. No. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't inspire yeah, it doesn't. confidence at all. No, it no. really doesn't. It really doesn't. But, hey, we're not calling black holes black holes anymore, and that's what's important. You Thank know what you. I mean? Thank so you. no more uh, Siamese uh, twin uh, galaxies, galaxies no. and stars. No. So have that. we got that. Yeah. Uh, but. but we did miss the asteroid that almost hit us. But we, <laughs> we saw it after it went by, though. So that was, Yeah, we saw it. We're like, we whoa, knew. was that close? What was that? Killed. Yeah. Oh, man. Whoa, what was that? That's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty good that's pretty good so i'm just looking for good news um that's about suicide rate that's probably not good how about how about this one how about this one uh there is a new study on our dogs and i can't find it now uh there's a new study on well, which which Hall of Fame is, is Glenn going into? Any idea? <laughs> no, I'm already in. I'm already in. So I'm just curious as to. I think it's the Hardware Hall of Fame. Okay, that yeah, would make more the, sense than what he's actually going yeah, into. The Hardware Store Hall the of Fame. Hell? 
There it is. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Uh, they've done a study on our dogs now. Uh, okay. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's, you're going to, you're just going to find more reasons not to like your neighbors. Um, so they compared Democrats to Republicans mm-hmm. as dog owners. Uh, Democrats are twice as likely to spay or neuter their dogs. All right. Okay. And I think population that, control, that makes sense. Population <laughs> control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also they probably live in cities much more and they probably mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't, if a burglar comes in, I don't want him to rip the face off of somebody. I do. I do. <laughs> so I keep all that testosterone right there in the body of that dog. Um, they, the company used GPS technology to tap into its database of 1.6 million do- uh, dogs, compare it to voting data from the 2016 election. Now, remember, all your, all your information is completely private. Oh, Completely yeah. <laughs> private. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, among the findings, dog names... Uh, for Democrats, among the top five most popular for Democrats, Diamond, Prince, Princess, King, and Bodie. Bodie? Bodie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know anybody that has Diamond, Princess, King, or Bodie. I did have Prince as a dog when I was, you know, a kid. Uh, then with Republicans, listen to the difference. Brutus. Ruger, <laughs> Sassy, Buckeye, and Baby. And you know Baby is not a little dog. Oh, no, Baby's no. like the big yes. dog. That's like, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Baby's the biggest dog on the block. Out of all of them, Baby's the one that's going to kill you easiest. Republicans tend to think bigger is better. 13% more likely than Democrats to have dogs weighing more than 25 pounds. Not 25 pounds. That's not a dog. <laughs> Pat's a dog. How much does it weigh? Five pounds? Uh, yeah. And it's a cat Soaking wet, maybe. Or a rat. Mm-hmm. Republicans are 20% more likely than Democrats to have mixed breed. Because most Republicans, we just, you know, you just go out to a, a shelter and get it. For all the shelter mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. that all the left does, no, they want their purebred. They want their, oh, no, this is a special breed. This is a doodle. We just to pick up whatever dog <laughs> bit us on the way home. <laughs> That's how we right. get dogs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Still attached to your leg when you walk in the front door. Now, tell me if this doesn't make sense. What are the dogs? Name three dogs that you just don't like. You would not want to own. And I don't mean because of danger. I just mean like, oh, mm. that breed sucks. Uh, uh, Pitbull. Pitbull. But, but that's because of danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the dog that you have that with the smashed nose? Uh, like pug. This. Yeah, they're the badasses. Yeah. So, I don't want a pug. Yeah, I don't want a pug. And I don't what, want a what, what breed do you have? I don't want a poodle. But the rat breed? Yeah, I've got the glorified rat breed. Okay. You got a problem? I wouldn't, yeah, want, a ch- I I wouldn't want a chihuahua. I wouldn't want a chihuahua. A chihuahua, okay. Yeah. Well, you don't like Mexicans, obviously. Uh, right. right. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want a pug. I would take a bulldog. But I wouldn't want a pug. Oh, pugs are awesome. Yeah. The bulldogs are pretty great, too, though. Those yeah. are great dogs. Yeah, except you feel bad for them because they're always walking around going. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the best part. <sighs> right. Yeah. It's like me. I, it's it's, 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 it's like me you. on a leash. Mm-hmm. That's all that is. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and the other one, you said it. Poodle. Yeah. No. Yeah. Democrats are six times more likely to have poodles. Mm. Oh, I believe that. Or poodle mixes. Absolutely absolutely the labradoodle thing is a big thing now that's part labrador part poodle if i'm getting yeah. the words correct and they look great when they're puppies 
and then yeah, they, they kind of look like almost, like, like, almost like horses, right? <laughs> like, yes. like curly haired horses. Yes. <laughs> and when you get to get to adulthood, you're like, okay, you can go play with the neighbors' house now permanently. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> like you there. anymore. <laughs> I mean, there should be a puppy exchange. Oh. There really should be mm. a Christmas puppy mm. exchange mm-hmm. where once the dog, first of all, they have to be potty trained, mm-hmm. but then they're given to you like in a little gift box. And then every six months or so, all of a sudden the dog is young again. And you're like, oh, look, that's small again. And it's just a service that comes in and switches the dog and you get a new puppy. What happens to the old dog? We don't ask questions. We don't ask questions. But they're just no I longer mean, there. But the rumor is they wind up in uh, in Southeast Asia. <laughs> no, 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 no. They go on to live great lives mm-hmm. in a puppy that's kingdom. Right. That's what I meant. Beyond understanding. <laughs> And uh, we just don't want to talk about that puppy kingdom because we don't want we don't want people to wreck it. Right. Uh, And they will. They will. So they wreck everything. Yeah. Uh, And uh, final thoughts here on the uh, on the convention Uh, tonight. Big lineup tonight. uh, Tonight is uh, what's her name? Kamala. Kamala. Yeah, it's Kamala time. That's uh, somebody else that's going to be agonizing as speaking tonight as well. Uh, Of course, they're all agonizing. You know, it's interesting because the Democrats today are so bad that sometimes you find yourself a little nostalgic for the Bill Clinton days. Then you see him speak. It's like, okay, that's right. That's why. I don't oh, yeah, he was that terrible. Guy. That's he right. I remember awful. that. And he was probably molesting all sorts of people by when, when we thought oh he just had gosh. bad Isn't policies. Isn't it amazing oh that gosh. that photograph came out the day he was supposed to speak at the DNC and, you know and they who, let him you know do it released, anyway? Do you know who released it? The London paper. How yeah. come? When uh, did we just? When did we just give all of our reporters a pass and say, "No, nah, just stay asleep. Let's have the foreign press do anything." The rumor is they paid a bunch of money for the photos. Um, so sometimes, sometimes mm. U.S. papers will not do such things. Actual journalistic efforts, though, we have a lot of tabloids too. So I'm not sure why none of them decided yeah. to pony up for those photos. Did, uh, she is coming out and saying she said uh, he was nothing but a gentleman. Right. That's what that's what uh, her. Uh, no, and uh, nothing but a gentleman. Yeah, she was she was uh, oh. she was trying to say that he did not molest her. Okay. Which and that's good. Would be great. Uh, that's the good. the last molesting great. he did, we know he did some. The less, the better, though. We're, yeah. We always cheer on less molesting from Bill Clinton. So, <laughs> have you have you heard uh, have you ever heard of the uh, fashion uh, tycoon from Canada named Peter Nygaard? Mm. Yeah, I'm the only mm. one in the room that should have heard of him, and I've never heard of him. Um, this guy is out of control. This is the big scandal in Canada. Um, this guy is. I think I did hear about a little yeah, bit. About this. Yeah, he is Canada's uh, uh, Robert Epstein. Uh, not Robert Epstein. Um, Jeffrey, Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, I mean, it's the same story. And guess mm. who made visits to his private island all the time? Prince Andrew. Oh, I mean, Prince Andrew. Wow, he's a bad. And wasn't wow. was Fergie married to Prince Andrew? Is that who she married? You are any any know. of these questions in this arena. I have literally no knowledge of. I don't it's know possible. who these people are. Yeah, sounds I think it right. is possible. That yeah. Sounds right. And she was yeah. made out to be a monster. Mm-hmm. And Prince, I think Prince Andrew. Look that up, Stu. I think Prince Andrew was married to her, and they made her look like a monster. Right. This guy, yes, former wife of Prince Andrew. Oh, this guy is. I'd love to hear from Fergie about this.
Uh, it is a it's a it's a weird weird one. I mean, the people they're putting on stage should they should be ashamed of themselves. They put on this this uh, you know a- Andrew Cuomo who comes on after he's killed more people than any other <laughs> public official in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes Hitler. with the coronavirus. Hitler. Well, it comes with the coronavirus. Oh, coronavirus. Yeah, okay. yeah you're right. Hitler <laughs> was like Mao. Uh, yeah, no, there's been <laughs> a few more. Yeah, okay. Uh, and he's out there touting a new book. <laughs> yes. He's, he's freaking releasing a oh. book about how brilliant he was during the coronavirus when he's criticizing mm. Arizona that has one-seventh of the deaths of, of New York. He's releasing a book, his last book, which I just love this. Mm-hmm. His last book, he got a bonus of $778,000, mm-hmm. I think it was. Mm-hmm. And he sold 3,200 copies. Oh, jeez. So they paid him 230 some odd dollars per book <laughs> that he sold, which is not what they charged in stores. It was actually less than that. <laughs> well, Canada? Uh, yeah, in Canada. It's always, it's always, it's always higher in Canada. It it's always higher in Canada. And then the, the, the woman who they put out there to completely exploit her grief as her father, who was a Trump supporter, died of coronavirus. And her big point was, you know, his only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, the most exploitative thing I have ever seen. This poor woman who lost her dad and obviously is not dealing with it well, but who would, right? Mm-hmm. She's now trying, She's and I went back and looked at her posts. Almost all of her posts were upset at the governor. Not the president. The president was occasionally mentioned, you know, in the thing, this Trump and, you know, like how he's mentioned in every freaking story for whatever reason. But it was almost all about the governor. She wrote a letter to the governor, did not mention Trump. She mentioned the governor, the governor, the governor, the governor, the governor. Now they've remixed the story to make it all Trump's fault so that she can come out in the middle of the Democratic National Convention and blame Trump. Because no one cares if he's blaming so the governor despicable. of Arizona. If she's blaming the governor of Arizona. Despicable. Jeez. And, you know, of course, there's a million problems with the stuff that she said. And it's hard. you can't blame her. She's grieving. But the Democratic Party is ghoulish. They are taking this poor woman who lost her father and just running her out in front of the cameras to try to get a couple more bucks from donors and a couple of votes from stupid people who will never look into the story. I mean, it is, they are disgraceful in every single way possible. I've, I've never seen such bald face lies and such serious lies as I have during this convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all you need is to do your own homework, which reminds me, there is a story out. I have to give it to you tomorrow. Did you see that scientists are now saying that it is very important that people do not do their own homework when it comes to science? Yeah. So I read that. What? Yeah. Did you read that? Yeah. No, do not, not you are, do you do not have the qualifications, uh, you know, and they start with oh, an easy example is fluoride gosh. and you have no business looking into all of these things. Leave that to the experts. Oh, my. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I've never seen anything like it. Na, na, na.